0: Luke chapter 6, Luke is one of the Gospels, begins the New Testament with Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, Luke 6, 12 through 19. Before we get to our text this morning, kids particularly, but adults, I'm sure you've had this experience before. Have you ever been chosen for a team? Hmm. Maybe you've tried out for a team and you've been chosen, or maybe it's just... You are picking teams, like maybe in, a, in the neighborhood or at school. You're choosing teams, right? Have you, have you ever been the one who has to choose the team? Hmm. Like you get picked and you're like, you're the captain, you've got to choose the team. What does it feel like to be chosen for a team? How does it feel to have to be the one to choose the team? When you get chosen for the team, what? It feels pretty good, doesn't it? To get chosen for someone to, to pick you? To say, hey, I want you to be on my team. Feels pretty good. Right? Whether you've tried out for the team or whether it's just even in a pickup game, right? To be chosen to be on the team feels good. What does it feel like when you're the one who has to choose the team? Hmm. When you have to choose the team. do you ever feel any pressure like i gotta I gotta make the right choices. I gotta make sure that I choose the right people to be on this team so that we win or maybe sometimes you have to you have the pressure of feeling that maybe some of your friends might be upset if they don't get on your team, right? this morning we see that Jesus kind of chooses a team, right? Jesus chooses a team in our text this morning. He already had a large group of people following him, right? They were called his disciples. You might not realize that because oftentimes we, we call this small this team that he's going to choose this morning his disciples, which they are. But Jesus actually had a much larger group of disciples that were following him. And at this point in Jesus' ministry, all of them together were his disciples. But now it's time to choose a group of those disciples that will be kind of a special team, a team for a special purpose. And Jesus understands the importance of what he is doing and he feels this burden, right? Just like we might feel the burden of, try, of having to choose a team that we're the captain of, Jesus feels a burden in our text, that choosing these 12 for this special team, for a special purpose. And so let's read Luke 6, 12 through 19. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, that's Jesus, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who is called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, had become a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him. And healed them all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your word made flesh, Jesus, and we thank you for your servant Luke for giving us this text, for helping us to understand. What it is, who it is that Jesus was and what it is that Jesus was doing and has done. Lord, we pray you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, may our lives be not only transformed by your word, but conformed to it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue our series in the Gospel of Luke. And last week we were in Luke chapter 6 verses 1 through 11, the first part of this chapter that we're in this morning. And Luke gives us two interactions with the Pharisees about the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath, just for those of you who may not be familiar, the Sabbath was the day set aside by God in creation when he created the world, the seventh day he rested from his work. It's also the day he set up and the Old Testament law for the day of, of worship. And he gives two reasons that we showed in, the, in last week that, G, that God not only says that it's to model him in terms of resting from the work of creation, but it's also because of redemption, that God redeemed his people. that brought them out of Egypt, and the Sabbath was a day of a gift, a day of remembering the redemption that they had received by being brought out of Egypt by their God. And so this, these uh, examples that we see here that Luke gives us about the Sabbath, one has to do with his disciples. Now this is the, a lar- larger group of disciples we would ex- expect because of the text now that we're coming to today. Picking grain and eating it as they are walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath. The other was Jesus healing a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And we said that the background of of what the Sabbath was, which I just went over, it was a day of resting and worship, but had turned into a day of rule following. And we said that we can kind of find ourselves in one side or the other. We can, like the Pharisees, turn the Sabbath into a list of rules, things that we can't do. Or we can completely ignore the Sabbath... Not seeing the good gift that it is, offering us rest, worship, fellowship, a reminder of our redemption. And we ask the question, do we live in the spirit of the Sabbath? We saw that because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, the Sabbath is renewed in its spirit in terms of what Sabbath is, Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath, that Sabbath is made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And it's also re- re- renewed by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God. It renews the, Sp- the Sabbath, renews us. The Spirit of God renews us, renews the Sabbath. And so this morning, we move from this dispute over the Sabbath that led to the Pharisees kind of burning with anger. That, that, uh, that aspect, that part of our text ends, that they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus which we know ultimately was to have him killed. And this sets up what we see this morning, Jesus calling the 12. That would be his apostles. You see, we are shown this by Luke that this opposition is is growing against Jesus, that the Pharisees are becoming extremely upset. And so Jesus sees this as the time when it's best for him to begin to establish his church, begin to establish this new order of God's people, this, new, this renewed nature of God's people. This is the new community that Jesus is forming, a renewed people of God, not one born of flesh and blood, but born of the Spirit. And so we have to ask ourselves this morning as we come to this text, do we understand the community that Jesus creates? Do we fully understand the community that Jesus creates? We see in our text that Jesus calls his people and creates his church. That's our main point. Jesus calls his people and creates his church. First with prayer, by his word, and for his mission. First, with prayer in verse twelve, we see that uh, in those days he went up on the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Jesus prayed often and extensively. We've already seen in chapter five and verse sixteen that it said that Luke said he would would withdraw to desolate places to pray. This was a practice of Jesus that he would take time to pray periods of prayer we're probably even more likely than what are recorded because, in fact, we see out throughout Luke that Jesus is taking time to get away and to pray. This is a pattern of his life. And what we see here in our text is that what's going to happen next is set, is, is, is set by this extended time in prayer. What's interesting is there's no other New Testament passage that speaks of anyone, including Jesus, spending all night in prayer. This is the only one where Jesus gets away by himself and spends the entire night praying because Jesus understood the importance of what he was about to do, and he needed wisdom and counsel from his father. This text is one of several, as I mentioned, where Luke shows us that speaking and listening to God is crucial to Jesus' life and ministry on earth, and it's crucial to our spiritual well-being. We see that modeled by Jesus throughout Luke's gospel that prayer is a concrete way of expressing our necessary dependence on God. In Luke chapter 11, which we'll get to next year, (laughs) we will be taking some breaks throughout the time, so it's not, but when we get to Luke 11 next year, Jesus' disciples are gonna ask Jesus to teach them to pray. Now, they they were asking Jesus to teach them to pray and like, you know, give us an example of how to pray, which Jesus does, and we pray the Lord's Prayer every week. But they are asking more than just giving them the correct format. They are asking Jesus to teach them to pray, to teach us to be dependent upon prayer like you are, Jesus. You see, they have witnessed and seen and experienced Jesus spending time in prayer. They realize that Jesus doesn't do anything of importance without first Spending time in prayer with the Father. And so they are not only asking that Jesus to teach them the right format or the right way, but to teach them to be dependent upon prayer. And I don't know about you, but as I as I go through the Gospels, as I see Jesus spending so much time in prayer, if the eternal Son of God, Jesus, God in the flesh, could not fulfill His mission without dependent prayer, how much more essential is it for us? Those of us who are not Eternally a part of the triune Godhead. (laughs) To be in dependent prayer with our Heavenly Father. To spend time in prayer. To seek wisdom and understanding. To spend time listening. To what our Heavenly Father is speaking to us in His Word through prayer. And so Jesus calls His people and creates His church with prayer, and He calls us to be as well a people of prayer, to be praying, to continue to call people to Himself. To be in prayer to continually, continue to build his church. To corporately and individually be independent prayer upon our heavenly father for all that we need. All that we have, all that he desires for us. So Jesus creates his church with prayer. He sustains his church by interceding for us before the Father, right? Jesus' ministry, the Bible tells us, on earth was about prayer. And in his ascended role, he intercedes with the Father, right? His interceding is bringing our prayers on behalf of us, to the Father. He forms and creates, he calls his people and creates his church with prayer, also by his word, verses 13 through 16. And when day came, he called his disciples and he chose from from them 12 whom he named apostles. Now, you might say, well, Okay, he called them by his word. What, what is that? And created them by his word. Think about the way that scripture uses God's word. Right? John, the apostle John, tells us at the beginning of his gospel, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so Jesus, the word made flesh, calls his disciples and calls out from among them 12. This was the... Word, right? Jesus said John says this in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This word was what called forth the creation in Genesis chapter one. This word is that is what is who called out Abraham from the land of the Chaldeans. The word that called Moses to lead his people out of G, out of Egypt, the Word made flesh, is now calling out the twelve. <clears throat> He's calling a new, or maybe even better, to think of it as a renewed people, is being formed by the Word of God. The Word that called all things into existence is calling out. his people. The twelve, the apostles to form the church. And the twelve mimics the structure of Israel. It's impossible to miss this. This point is not that the new group of disciples is intending to replace Israel permanently because we see in Acts that the disciples represent their message of the gospel as a natural extension of the Promises made to Israel. They see Jesus, they see the gospel of Jesus Christ as an extension of those promises, as a fulfillment of those promises. And this new community is built on the community of Israel that God had formed and called to himself. This is the renewed people being formed and called out to himself. Right? It's interesting that we find this new community kind of out in the wilderness. Right? Even the imagery is palpable that people from all over from Jerusalem, from Tyre and Sidon, from all over the region have come to this wilderness area, to hear and Jesus teach to be healed by him. This new people that Jesus created, this new community, this renewed people of God that Jesus is calling to himself, he's doing it. And the image that we have is him calling, as God called his people out of Egypt into the wilderness. Jesus calling a new people together in the wilderness. And in this group of 12, this foundation of this new community that Jesus is forming, we have fishermen. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Not the first people as we we mentioned several weeks ago that you might think about calling as your core group of a new church. There you have a tax collector, Matthew, right? The guy who stole from people, right? The guy who used his power and authority to take what was not rightly his, that people despised because of who he was and what he did. On the other hand, you have Simon the Zealot. Right? The Zealots were those who were in radical opposition to the Roman government. Those who would fight to overthrow the Roman government. They would bring unrest. They would make small attacks. Simon and Matthew (laughs) in the same group should not go overlooked as we've mentioned before, right? One worked for the Romans. The other hated and fought the Romans. Two very different views of government control. (laughs) Two very different views of The government's place. And yet they were both called by Jesus to be a part of this foundation of his church. Jesus welcomes them, calls them, and they become part of the same community, living and serving side by side. And all these. That are mentioned we don't know a lot about them but we understand that they are from diverse backgrounds and perspectives fishermen tax collector zealot those like like Nathan like Nathaniel who said nothing good can come from Nazareth he obviously had a very high view of himself and where he was from and maybe he was of higher society we do not know for sure But all these were called together by Jesus into a newly formed community. And some of them become well-known heroes of the church, right? Peter, we know, right? John, we know. Matthew, because he wrote one of the Gospels. But on the whole, we don't know much about many of the disciples of these 12. Most left an unknown mark or a very little known mark on church history. On the whole, they seemed pretty average then and quite frankly, even now. Jesus works then as he does now through perfectly ordinary people. Jesus reminds us that no matter who we are, he calls us into his community, into his people, into his church. He calls us to come that we don't have to have a great resume or CV to get into to. His church. And those of us who come with a great resume or CV are reminded that we are not as great as we think we are. That Jesus is the great one. Jesus is the good one. Jesus is the one who calls us to come. And so he welcomes fishermen, lowly fishermen. He welcomes tax collectors. And sinners. He welcomes zealots. He welcomes those who will leave little mark on history. He welcomes all those that he calls to come. And so we see that Jesus has created his church through with prayer by his word and for his mission. Verses 17 through 19. You see, we see now this coming together of all those who will make up the church. Jesus, the head of the church, the teacher and healer, the one who has come, the Messiah, he is the head of the church. The 12 apostles, those that he has appointed by his word, that he has set apart for this special work the other disciples that we will meet shortly, the 72 and the larger group of even more than that, and the people coming for healing from unclean spirits and diseases. What we see here is now a fulfillment of what Jesus had prophesied in his first sermon in Nazareth coming true. Right In chapter four, when he preaches at Nazareth, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what we see coming together here in chapter 6. And Jesus comes down with his disciples, with the greater crowd of his disciples, with the apostles, with the greater crowd of his disciples, and this great multitude of people who have come to hear him preach the good news of the gospel and to be healed. This gathering of God's people, those that Jesus is calling to himself. There are distinctives of this people of God. They are meant to be clearly different from the world around them. And the mark that distinguishes them as members of the church is their acceptance of Jesus. The acceptance of the leadership that God has given them through the apostles. Those that Jesus calls first and foremost give their allegiance to Jesus and then to the apostles to whom Jesus gives his authority. What we'll see throughout the New Testament as we have studied Acts before and as we see the writings of the apostles, the teaching of the apostles is not used in New Testament times as a detailed basis of screening those who are to be admitted to the church, right? The teaching of the apostles, the proclamation of the gospel is to come all who would hear and believe, come tax collectors and sinners, come to Jesus. But what we see in the New Testament is the teaching of the apostles is then applied to those who are once once to those who are admitted to the church to help them to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ to help them to understand who they are called to be in Christ Jesus oftentimes I think the church gets that mixed up Right, We, we use the, the doctrines of the New Testament to say this is the, what the church is to be like and you better look like this and act like this and believe like this before you come into the church. But that's not what we see in the Gospels. That's not what we see in Acts in the New Testament church. The church is created for people to come to be a part of, to hear, to be served, to be loved, to be cared for. The church, if I can say it in this way, should be liberal in who is wel- welcomed, served, loved, and cared for, but conservative in teaching the truth. And sometimes we have that mixed up. This will make for difficult experiences in the church. Just like I'm sure there were difficult experiences. We know that the disciples had lots of arguments throughout their time following Jesus. This will make for difficult experiences seeking to call one another to the truth and love. That's what Paul does throughout his letters. So the apostles do throughout their letters. I mean, when, if Paul can write to Corinth and say, you are the redeemed in Christ Jesus, and then go on to list all these ways in which they are sinning like crazy and doing things that blow our minds in terms of how they're living their life as the people of God. How much more can we as God's people Understand that the church is to seek and to call all those who would come, (laughs) irregardless of what they have already assented to in belief and practice. But once they come to seek to call one another to live as followers of Christ. In truth and love. But you know what that's what happens when churches function like that? We'll get questioned by the quote religious types like the Pharisees. Why do you eat and drink with sinners? Why aren't you as pure as we are? But we'll also get questioned. By those outside the church in the world calling the church intolerant because we teach the truth. It sounds like a horrible place to be <laughs> to be despised by the religious types and called intolerant by those outside the church and yet that's exactly where Jesus calls us to be. It's exactly who Jesus. Was and is. And that's what Jesus experienced. What he calls us, his people, to experience. But he says, In that, I will be with you always. You know, we may not think that we can belong. Whether you're here this morning or whether you're with us online, you may not think that we can belong. Maybe you don't think you're good enough or smart enough or whatever enough. But Jesus says it's about him and not us. It's about his call, his welcome. This community that's remade by Jesus and filled with the Spirit still isn't perfect. It wasn't perfect then, it's not perfect today. (laughs) If the official membership of those who can be called to come into the the church is loose enough to include in the book of Acts those like Ananias and Sapphira, Demas and Diatryphus, and Simon Magnus, there is room... (laughs) for all those who are called by Christ, who are in many different stages of growth and grace and sanctification. We don't see in Scripture the idea of a pure church. We see in Scripture the idea of a church (laughs) that is being purified by Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus sets up a new people of God under the leadership of his new twelve with the object of showing for a third time now throughout Scripture how relationship with himself brings men and women boys and girls young and old into right, right relationships with one another. The family of Adam failed. The family of Abraham failed. And now it is the church of Jesus Christ who has been called to demonstrate that common life of what life ought to be in Christ. As Jesus reminds us in John 13, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, our Savior Jesus. We thank you for the way in which he has called us to himself and has created his church. Called his church into being and continues to call into to being. Lord God, we have been called from death to life. We are a renewed people, your church. Lord, maybe you help us to be a people of prayer as your son was a man of prayer, that we would indeed, as we've been formed by your word, Lord God, that we would be those who love and know your word. And Lord, as Jesus' mission has been given to us, we pray that we would faithfully continue His mission as He has called us to to teach the gospel, to preach the good news in word and deed, to bring hope and healing to a lost, world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond by standing in